And good afternoon, good evening, everyone. We are here today at the Con Hour with a special edition today, and we are going to be participating with CypherCon, which is going virtual today. It, and their second virtual since they canceled last year, but hopefully next year everything will be in perfect order and everything will go good. We are here today with Devin Osplund and Amy will be helping as a co-host at answering any questions that people might have or asking them to us. But the main thing that we're going to be discussing today is multiple genres, how to keep them separate, or even how to work them in together, because you never know if you're able to. I know the biggest issue is probably going to be maybe fantasy and science fiction, because those two are very, very easy to get mixed up, I believe. But let's start with everybody introducing yourselves. Go with Devin first. Certainly. Hi, everybody. My name is Devin Osplin. I'm a self-published author. I just released my fifth book. I primarily write in the fantasy space, um, but I do write in some sub-genres that uh, definitely stays on point of mixing genres together. And Amy, I mean, I don't know if you've written any books, you've talked about it, but one of the main things that you do is you help authors with different different ideas. Right. So I'm more of a publicist for authors is what I like to call myself. So I am the owner of Abundantly Social. I also have a membership group that's called Through the Eyes of Authors, which is like a one-stop destination for authors and giving them resources and expert speakers on how they can keep their books out there. You know, if you've written one or if you haven't written one, you have a series, you know, you need to keep them out there and get marketing so you make more books and sell more books and make more money. So that's kind of what I do. I know Greg because we do, you know, we're in several organizations together. Greg is my con man in my groups and tells me about the con. So I'm excited to be here and to, you know, hear Devin and everything that he's got going on. So, you know, thanks, Greg, for asking me to be here. I really appreciate it. Uh, not a problem. And just so y'all know a little bit about me, I do write fantasy and I actually have a Western. And you might be asking, well, Western and fantasy is easy to keep separate, but you know, I'm in a group right now with, we're working on project with four, it's five authors total, but four others besides me. And it's a Western with a mix of fantasy. So it's actually kind of fun how you can generate things together. And Devin, how, how do you think you could generate stuff like that together? Uh, well, got two big uh, issues you're dealing with a collaboration that's always a fun time uh, working with different authors and artists to try to come up with a great singular idea and then you have the mashup of genres which um, you can either go pretty light into that or pretty hard into that it all depends on uh, where your cre creativity takes you well, that's definitely one good way and like I said ours is the western where we're working really hard to make it a little bit of a mix with the fantasy, which is hard. I will say that. But what do you find most difficult about keeping genres separate like fantasy and science fiction? It's a real thin line between uh, fantasy and science fiction, keeping them separate. I mean, you have your typical science fiction, your space operas, and then you have your fantasy, which are your swords and uh, shields. So sometimes it's real hard not combining those when you get into uh, magic and technology because really technology is just uh, magic through science. So sometimes it's real hard keeping those separate, uh, but you, it takes some skill and some time to enhance your writing to make sure you write to your genre. And Amy, I think you able to have the links where you can share, but I'm fixing to post some pictures of the books that he has. And I think the first one is the first one, Tell More. Devin, is the first book you oh, wrote, uh, my, Tell More? My first book would be uh, The Boneless Dungeon. Um, Rebirth. Uh, uh, let's see if I can put that up there. Hey, there we go. <laughs> And that is the cover of his book. So if you're looking for it, there it is. 
And the second one is that the Telmore or the ebook? Um, I think it's the ebook. It would be the Boneless Dungeon, the sequel. Yeah, experiment. Ah, there we go. It's book two in that series. And then the third one will be Telmore Front. <laughs> <laughs> the Arbiter Midgard. That one just released. Ah, well, that's the three that that I have, but that's an idea. And you can always look them up. Is that at Devin Ostland on Amazon or? Yep. I write under my name. Uh, I wasn't brave enough to use a, uh, a uh, pen name. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one that I, well, the one that I have, of course, y'all know is Tess Law Woman of the West. And then I have the Alonica series, which Alonica Rise of the Dragon Heirs is the first one. And then the second one is Alonica Splitting Heirs. And hello to a Facebook user. <laughs> uh, so other than really keeping them separate, I mean, you said that there's a fine line. Is there anything specific that you have in mind that's, I mean, to everybody, I mean, the fantasy, sci-fi mixed together is, I think you would probably say your Star Wars with your yeah. lightsabers. Because, I mean, that's a bit of a fantasy using the Force along with the science fiction technology. That's actually How would a pretty you interesting idea that uh, um, uh, comparison you brought up with Star Wars. That truly is kind of a good mix of sci-fi fantasy when you really boil down. Because, like you said, the Force is just the same thing as magic, and then you have the the laser sword fighting, but then you also have spaceships. So it's actually a pretty good example you brought up of mixing two genres together successfully, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, that... Go ahead. No, that's it. That's all. I've just agreed with him. I'm like, it's done wonderfully. He's not a Star Wars fan, you know? Who doesn't? We do have a question, though. They want to know, how long have you been writing, I guess, for both of you? So, Devin, you want to go first? How long have you been writing? Sure. Uh, I released my first book in September of 2019, but I started writing probably beginning of 2019. So it's wow. been uh, almost two years now. Wow, so you're new. And how many books do you have? Uh, just released number five. Oh my goodness, that's like what? Done that in three years? Two years? Yeah. Oh my Lord, and here I am. I've worked with authors forever and I have yet to put out a book. You're making us look bad, Devin. Stop it. Make Sat it down and get it done. <laughs> no, that's yeah. amazing. Good for you. Greg, how long have you been writing, man? I think I'm going on five years now, maybe six. Oh. And, I, and I have three books, two novels and one novella. So, yeah. I mean, mine come out every, I guess, two years apart, average. Yeah. Well, you have a but, lot other things too, because you got audiobook and stuff like that. So, I mean, if you don't have a new book coming out, you have an audiobook of Tess and all that. So, man, that's that's awesome. I guess I need to get to writing a book. I know everyone through the eyes of authors would just love it. They've been trying to get me to write forever. So, but my oh, grammar is awful. It's awful, my grammar. So. <laughs> That's, that's what you have editors for. Right. <laughs> you don't want to see my rough draft. Grammarly is my, you know, my editor coming <laughs> for my emails. That's for sure. But well, what got you into writing, Devin? I know me and you talked a little bit about this yesterday as we were discussing the show. Yeah, believe it or not, it was my grandmother. I wanted to write something that she could read and we could kind of bond together with. She helped raise uh, me and my siblings. She's like my mother. Um, and she was diagnosed with cancer uh, a few years ago. So I wrote to see if I could get it done before she passed. And I did complete the book, my first book, about three weeks before she uh, passed away. Unfortunately, she did not get a chance to read it. No. Um, but I like to think that she's reading it above. Um, and she's continued with my author journey. But it was really my family. You know, I just really wanted to write something. Uh, my wife inspired me a lot. Um, so it's it's been really good. Well, I have to say, say my wife does do a lot of assisting me, and she gives me a lot of the ideas that run through my head, and actually helps me working on progressing on other stories. And she's pushing me. She's like, "You, you, I've given you ideas for your next book. Go ahead and start writing it." And it's like, <laughs> whoa. 
It. I love it. You guys have all these, you know, women that influence you. And I think that's wonderful. So we have another question. They want to know what pers uh, perspective do you write most often? Is it from females, male, back and forth? Which one? Who wants to take that question first? I'll go first. I mean, <laughs> you have Tesla Law Woman of the West. So there you have your female perspective because it's mainly all about her. And what I did with her is we had her story as it goes through, but you had flashbacks into her past, which helped move along to the next chapter. Right. Now with my fantasy books, I have like five, six, seven, even I'm getting to the point where it's getting to be a lot of main characters. So somebody's going to have to die off. Oh, no, I <laughs> hate it. Well, kill characters. Stop it. But, Can't we all just but, live in happy? <laughs> but you do have your perspective from males and females in my fantasy. So it really depends on that part of the story. Okay. Devin, what about you? Um, I've written primarily from the male perspective. Uh, my sister just had her first kid who was uh, uh, my niece. So I'm writing currently a, a new book from a female perspective. has a lot of female empowerment in it. Uh, it takes place, just a brief summary. There's a, in the future, everyone has superpowers, but the one person born without them is this young girl. So she's powerless in a world full of the powered and how she is empowered to fight against, you know, people stronger than her. And, and so I'm trying the female perspective, but sometimes it can be hard. Uh, I feel like I write females pretty badly. <laughs> Although I try really hard. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least you're honest about it. You know, at least you're honest and you understand. So, you know, do you get, do you get like other women, uh, like point of views and input and stuff to kind of help you? Like, is this kind of where it would go? I feel like you'd have to do that a lot. Yeah. That's where the wife comes in to help. Uh, I definitely have female characters in the books and, uh, some key characters are females, but, uh, I always have the wife read over those lines and make sure I'm not sounding too crazy. <laughs> Wonderful. See, that's what us wives are good for. We keep you guys from sounding crazy and we influence you in your writing. So that's what we're there for. You'll keep us in check. <laughs> Absolutely. That's our main job. But the other thing, which is good to have when we're talking spouses, is you also get a perspective. If they're reading something and it's like, I think when I was first starting out with Alonica, I had written down, it's like, oh, she came out with her flowing dress. And my editor, who's also my aunt, actually, and my wife both asked me, well, what color was the dress? Yeah. <laughs> so you get a perspective of what also females want to read about. So, I mean, we're not just trying to, like with our characters, we're not just trying to tr draw in a certain crowd. We want to draw everybody that we can in. And it brings up a that, question I may have for you, uh, uh, GM Kelso. How much of your family and your wife read your books? Actually, quite a bit. And being being surprised, I mean, a lot of them act, actually bought them instead of me giving them away, which is thankful to me because when you self-publish, you got to pay for everything. Mm -hmm. You got to pay for your advertising. You got to pay an artist an illustrator for your book covers. You got to pay, I mean, your editors, which I, I probably owe my editor a dinner since it's my aunt. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> but I mean, I mean self-publishing, you really got to concentrate and critique groups. They help. And how about you? Um, my, my father and brother read a lot of what I write. Uh, my wife reads what I have her give me feedback on. Other than that, she has not finished any of my novels. Uh, she's more into the romance novels. Um, mm. But uh, no, they're, they're supportive. Even if they don't read them, they buy them anyway. Just to, you know, be supportive and have copies. And be like, hey, look what my, you know, look what my son did or look what my brother did. Or, you know, which is nice. It's good to have a good support team behind you. Uh, have you thought about doing any audiobooks? Oh uh, yeah, actually, I believe it or not, my my written books do okay, uh, but my audio books, I've released all of my titles on Audi Audible, and they've actually 
been where I've made most of my success. Do you read them yourself or did you hire somebody? I, as creative as I can be with writing a book, I uh, am not as creative as I need to be to, to record them. So I, I hired out, uh, but I've worked with some great, great narrators um, in my uh, track record. Zura Johnson yeah. comes to mind. She's fantastic. She read my Boneless Dungeon series. Uh, she got nominated for Best Female Voice Actress uh, last year um, from the Independent Voice Awards. She is just fantastic. I got to figure out how to get that in there because the one that I use is Tess Primack, who's Broadway actress, and she has done wonderful. And I think she actually, on episode one, we had her on here with L.M. Mann, who she actually mm -hmm. read L.M. Mann's book, The Nightmare King, which glad to have them with us. But the other thing that we wanted to talk about is programs to help authors. And this is where we're going to turn it over to Amy with one of the things that she does to help promote authors and get them started. I'm right. excited to hear more about this. <laughs> you guys are so kind. So kind. You just want the attention off of you. That's all it is. Um, no, so I actually, <laughs> I actually run a, uh, it's a membership for authors. And I mentioned it a little bit earlier. It's called Through the Eyes of Authors. And like I said, it's a one-stop destination that kind of provides you with all the resources of all the different things that are trending for authors, different ways to get out there to keep your book in the forefront of readers, different avenues to go down to get reviews and make more sales. And, you know, just be creative as an author when it comes to marketing. So especially if you're self-published, you're doing all of it yourself and it can feel very overwhelming. And so our main goal there is to take the overwhelm away and just provide you with all the resources and the experts that you need to be able to be successful as being an author, right? Because it can be really difficult. You'd rather just write and get your books out there and have someone else market it. But if you have, you know, the support of Through the Eyes of Authors, you know, we're all beta readers and stuff for each other. We do their book launches. But, you know, we just try to provide you with everything that you can so you're successful and you can continue your writing journey, right? Because it costs money and it does stuff. So we try to, you know, just encourage you and give you everything that we can to help you market your book and all the resources and different avenues to go down. Um, like I said earlier, it's a part of Abundantly Social. So I am a publicist. For those of you that know Sandy Lawrence, I uh, took over her company when she decided to switch gears this <laughs> in January, pretty much. So she decided to semi-retire focus on doing podcasting. So I took, you know, everything kind of over for her. So I am a publicist. We do have different bundles and stuff that we help you kind of get the word out about your book in the best way that we can. So, I mean, it's, it's been fascinating. I've worked with authors for 10 years and other small businesses and stuff, but we just kind of like hearing the stories of authors, the passion behind whatever genre they decide to write. You know, some of them dabble in all, some are very, I'm only going to do romance, you know, and it's interesting to hear how the stories come about and their inspirations and just their passion for writing come about. And so we really just enjoy it. Greg comes and I love hearing all about the different comic cons and cons that are going on and where he's going to be. I mean, this is the busiest man I've ever met. That's why I'm so, he's my con man and I love it. I love him to death. And so it's just, you know, it, we have fun, but we support each other and you know, I, I just feel like authors need all the support that they can get to be successful. And so, you know, we we do our best to provide you with that. That's what we do. Awesome. And yeah. Devin, I think I think you have something. And just so y'all know, at the bottom of the screen, I had, do have my little banner flashing across. Boris Getter was not able to be here today because he has a sinus infection. And we do miss having him here. Now, now we'll go to Devin on that. Speaking of uh, Forrest Getter, he's also a newer author. He just released uh, his second book. Um, and one thing that him and I have been working on uh, for the past six months that we just launched very recently is a site called Party Up Publishing. So it is a coalition of authors for authors by authors. What we do is we come together to help newer authors through some of those initial stages of setting up their first book through self-publishing. 
So we don't actually publish your book, but what we do is we give you uh, various guides, tutorials, mentor mentorship uh, for new authors, um, try to help you guide you through those steps, like I said, of getting your book out there. We also partner with a lot of great um, audiobook people, a lot of great editors, uh, cover artists. They offer discount services to our members, um, try to help reduce those costs, as we've all said a few times during this stream, that when you self-publish, all that comes out of your own pocket, all that is a uh, of your own volition. So we try to help soften that uh, initial hit, if you will, and help you uh, hold your hand through it a bit. Yeah. Uh, you can find definitely. out a lot more on our website. Well, the one thing that I also do is not only do I do the podcast, which the con hour, which hopefully I'm working on making it bigger and bigger as I can, but I also run a group called assist in running a group called authorology and we have authors we have publishers we have editors we have illustrators anybody you can think of is in that site and we are there to help we have writing rooms we i think you can find us at authorology.org if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. and i have a lot in my head right now so Forgive me if I'm wrong on anything, but Joanna Jordan and Fern Brady and a bunch of others are part of that team. And we're working to make things easier for authors. We actually have classes that deal with conventions, critique groups, anything that you can think of. And I think we have a question up here. That's a long one. And there I can't I tell. So the, the main question that they have for all of us, but I'm going to let Greg, you and Devin answer this one is when you're an author, what kind of questions should you be asking, you know, when you're finding a publisher, you know, and you're kind of bouncing around looking for the best fit, what are some of the questions as an author you should be asking them? Uh, Devin, you want to go first and then I'll back sure. that up or you want me to go first? No, that, that's fine. Um, when I was writing my first book, I did try to go the route of publishing initially. So I did a lot of research into, you know, what I should be asking different publishing houses if I consider a publishing contract. Um, and a couple of things uh, that always popped into my head that I thought were big ones were um, honestly retaining the uh, intellectual property of my characters and story was a big one for me. Um, that way, if, you know, if I wanted to keep writing, or writing side stories or changing my characters up. Um, another one is, you know, how helpful can they be for you? Look for one that has resources that benefit you. You know, maybe you don't have an editor, you really need a good editor, you know, so you should ask what kind of editing work they have. Maybe ask for references, some books they've published that you can look into uh, and kind of see the quality of their work. Um, so ask as many questions as you can, uh, but intellectual property was a big one for me. Um, I, I wanted to retain, you know, possession of my characters their images things like that yeah definitely copyright is the main thing right there and before you even go to a publisher if you want and i know they'll say they disagree with this but you can actually it depends on the company find out if they're going to do the copyrights and give it to you or if they're going to keep the copyrights mm -hmm. what i would do if it was me, if I wanted to retain the rights is I would go to the Library of Congress and do my own copyright of the book and then say, hey, I got the copyright. Are you willing to publish it? I mean, one thing is, is you don't want to go publishing the book. This is a big no, no for them. Don't publish the book and then take it down and say, hey, here it is, because trust me, they know if it's been published or not. They can find out. The other thing is, is if you're looking for a publisher and you want to send it to several people at one time, a lot of these publishing companies say, do not send to another publisher until after we've read it. And that could be anywhere between six to eight weeks. So, I mean, you're talking about a time process, a very long time process. One of the things that, like I said, of authorology, there are, in, I want to say independent publishers, small press publishing, which not all the times are they actually looking for stuff, but always find out if they're looking for something. That's the main thing. And if what they're looking for is what you are writing, because 
believe it or not, there's a big difference between fantasy and urban fantasy. I mean, yeah. I mean, your urban fantasy is going to be more of your vampires and werewolves and stuff like that. When your fantasy is dealing with dragons and magic elves. So, I mean, there is a difference between fantasy genres. And that's one of the biggest things, I think. Find out about the publishing company itself, like he said. Find out what type of works they've done. See if they have a list. Most of the websites that they do, they have a list and the name of authors that they represent. You could and even... that's about it for that question that I can think of. Well, I, mean, I, I would also ask, like, go ahead, Devin. I was, I was just going to say, I would also suggest... Mm -hmm. um, if they have a list of authors, possibly reaching out to them and seeing, you know, um, you know how they, how they, uh, how they write, how the experience was with them. Um, sometimes that's easier with smaller publishers than bigger ones, but it's something I definitely looked into. Yeah, I mean, I would ask that, and then I would ask them how much of the marketing are they going to do in terms, you know, because you're going to have to market yourself, but some publishing companies will assist you in the marketing kind of things. I mean, I would definitely ask that and then just ask, you know, like they had said about references and things like that, I think are important and how many books they've published, you know, how long they've been publishing, you know, things kind of like that. Cause sometimes, you know, the newer publishers, you know, I don't know, just sometimes it's good to have one that's seasoned and experienced and they kind of understand. And I would, you know, definitely find out if they're a hybrid traditional, you know, kind of make sure that you go about that route. So, uh, another question is how, if this happens, which I'm sure this happens, it's happened to everybody at least once, how do you handle rejection of your work from a publisher? Mm. You have any advice on that? Cause I'm sure that that happens to everybody. So the one thing I can say is you're not alone. Don't feel bad if you get rejected because it happens to everyone, even the big New York time bestsellers, right? I mean, they probably got rejected from 10 other publishers right so it's not something that's uncommon that doesn't happen it happens to everybody yeah i think the best way is to use it and get their feedback on what they have and make the adjustments and move forward but that's me from a marketing standpoint and a publicist standpoint right so my happy go lucky self i have a happy turnaround on that one but you know Devin, how how would you handle rejection of a publisher certainly um it definitely isn't a good feeling, but it does happen. Uh, as uh, Amy said, it, it's if you're going to go the publishing route, expect to get a rejection. Um, for every, you know, acceptance letter you get, expect to get at least ten rejection letters, and it's just the um, the industry, the way it is. So, I think the key point is not to spiral into a negative point of mind or a negative attitude about it or a depression. It's use that as fuel to increase your writing try to get feedback. A lot of these publications, if they reject you, they're more than open to give you feedback on the why they rejected you. And then that could lead to improving your writing and, you know, the next acceptance letter. So use it as fuel. Stoke yeah. your fire. Exactly. Definitely. Greg, what about you? Well, the one thing you have to understand is some of the publishing companies will not even respond back mm -hmm. if they don't want the story. So you got to decide how long you're going to wait. Now, when I first did Elonica, I tried to do the traditional publishing. I think I sent it. I forget to how many places, but I actually had, I would say, a 60% response rate of people saying, we love your book, but we can't publish it. We have love your book. We love your writing style, but we can't publish it. We, we like this, but we can't publish it. We like it, but we're not interested in this type of project right now. So, I mean, a lot of times they will give you feedback with a rejection letter. Hopefully it's good feedback, not horrible feedback. But even if it is horrible, you just keep going. Just keep your drive up. Never give up. There's people to help you, like I said, with critique groups. Maybe there's something that they fi find more interesting than the other. But... As far as rejection, it just motivates me more. Matter of fact, having all the rejection letters made me do self-publishing, which I think ended up being better for me in the long run. Yeah. 
I think so. I mean, I think, you know, off of that, I think self-publishing isn't for everyone. Just like finding an agent for your book is not for everyone. Neither is traditional or hybrid publishing, right? There's so many different publishings out there and options. You have to really kind of find what is the best fit for you, right? So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. How do you know what is the best avenue for you to go down? Like, is it just you've gotten so many rejections? So you're just like, ah, oh, screw it. I'm going to self-publish because this needs to be out there. Or, you know, so how did you guys do it? How do you find the best avenue for you? Well, like I said, with mine, getting a 60% response rate when the average response rate is like 10 to 15 even when you send it to all these publishers to see that many returns coming back. And I did my research to see that many returns coming back, told me I was doing something right. So, okay. Now if I'm doing something right, but it was at the, I think I've written almost pure fantasy and it was at the end of the era of twilight, which was the urban fantasy. So most of the publishers wanted nothing but, urban fantasy so it's like you know what i'm just going to go out on my own that's how i decided okay that makes sense Devin. what about you um i will agree with your uh uh point jam so a lot of publications won't even respond um i ended up going self-publishing just from doing my own research uh i i write in a very niche genre that i know enough a lot of publishers are even looking at right now. So that was a big key factor for me to go self-publishing. Um, so if you're going to write toward the popular genres, you'll probably have more success with uh, the publishing route. If you write to what's hot, they say, but if you write for what your passion is, and if it's something small, like mine is self-publishing, maybe is your best way. And that's what kind of leaned me into that direction was, I'd rather write a book I want to read than a book that may sell a million copies. Right. Yeah. Well, that, you just seem to enjoy the like writing itself, just, you know, the expression of writing and getting your story out there and stuff, you know, because there are some, you know, there's nothing wrong with it that they write because they want to make money from their writing. Right. They want to be the next. Oh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I mean, I feel like, for you know that kind of mindset, you really got to know that I want an agent and they're going to pitch my book and I'm just going to make all my money back, right? And it's going to be great. And you know, I'm going to not to break your heart or anything because I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but that is hard as hell to do. It's hard as hell to find an agent that is looking for your genre at that time. That is just, you have hit, you've connected with, they love it. They pitch it to this big house and it's like, boom, right? I mean, it's, it's hard as hell. And I think that is discouraging for writers. Right. And so I feel like don't let that discourage you. I don't know how to make that not discouraging, but don't let it do that. Like if that's your goal and that's what you want to do and that's why you're a writer, then go out there and do it like power to you. I think that's fantastic. I think we need more writers like that, but we also need writers like Devin and Greg that just write to express and get the stories out. Right. So, I mean, it's a, I don't know. I just, I love writers. You guys are all awesome. I'm so jealous of you guys. Like I'm not creative like that, especially not grammar wise, you know? So it's, I love you guys. You guys are amazing people. Well, thank you for that. Oh, yeah. thank you. And one of the other things with publishing is also find out how you're going to get your pay if you go through a traditional publisher. Cause I've read and they actually have a book out there that usually comes out at the beginning of the year that publishings or publishers and it's the book's about an inch and a half thick and it will tell you all the publishers who are looking what they're looking for it will tell you the websites addresses to write them web addresses so you can look them up but it also expresses a sometimes how they pay like some of the things is, is they'll give you an advance but you're not going to get paid anything until that advance is actually paid for by everything that they sell so if you're looking to start seeing what you can do and seeing 
I mean, it depends on how you advertise also, but if you want to start seeing stuff coming in and it will be slow at first, it's never, never quick. I mean, yes, you're an author. Yes, you can do things, but authors are not get rich quick people. We do this because we enjoy it. That's one of the biggest things. We enjoy writing. We enjoy getting the story out. But yeah. see how they're going to pay pay you. That's one of the big yeah. issues. I worked in contract law for uh, many years as my day job. And I will say it's very important if you go the publication route to read your contract thoroughly. Maybe get a second yeah. pair of eyes on it. Yes, have as many people look at that thing as possible. Definitely. Even if you have to pay a lawyer a little bit of money to read it over for you, because some of those terms are very, very technical. And all that being said, publication or self-publication, I will say uh, to all potential authors out there, you will make mistakes. Um, whether or not you accept a bad contract or you go self-publishing route, you're guaranteed to make mistakes along the way. But as long as you learn from them and improve yourself through them, then uh, that's what makes you better. And the one thing that I definitely have to add for that is do not pay a publishing company to publish your book. Their job is they're going to charge you money for them to publish. They're going to charge you for editors they are going to charge you for everything. Do it yourself. Don't have, don't pay somebody to do all that for you. Do it yourself. Go find an editor yourself, find, an illustrator yourself, but don't pay somebody to have you pay more money. Right. And a true publishing company is going to pay you Absolutely. for your work. Yeah. See, I, I totally, I agree with, with you, Greg, because it's like, you know, you, if you go with a, a publisher that's pretty much charging you to publish your own book, they're really charging you to put their name on your book. And at the end of the day, it's, you know, you really should just invest that money into yourself and publish your book yourself and put your own damn name on that book, right? Start your own publishing company and put that name on the book, right? Because you're paying all this money into it. Don't pay that money to somebody else just to put their name on it. You know, like, a, a, I want to say a quality publisher, publishing house, whatever, they're going to invest all that money and pay for everything for you and only take you know, percentages of your book sales to get back what they invested in you, right? Because then they really believe in you as a writer and your story and they want to get it out there and they want it to be the best that it can be. They're not just going to put their name on your book and you're going to pay out of pocket for everything. I mean, it's it's just, it's kind of one of those things. It's like, ah, well, you know, maybe, I don't know. I don't, I'm all, I'm like self-published or traditional published and that's it for me. But, you know, there's all in-betweens and there's reasons for things in-between. So, but I agree with you, Greg. Like, that's what I would do. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's one of the biggest things. I've had people say, well, it was too late. I already paid. And we're talking that they're charging people $2,500 to $3,000. And they're saying, well, we're going to advertise you. We're going to, I mean, that's a little bit much because you're still paying for an editor and illustrator. I mean, do the advertising yourself. It's not going to cost you that much. You can do it through Facebook. I think if you know the right algorithms to put, which it takes a little bit of time to learn. I mean, do it yourself. I mean, Facebook, I think $10, you can reach up to 8,500 people. Yeah, you're going to reach them. Hey, one person yeah. might click. Two people might click. They might like your book. They might leave you a good review which is candy to authors, people, big time candy. Those reviews are big time candy. Oh, that's like the biggest compliment you can give to an author is reviewing their book, right? Whether, you know, whatever review you give to them, it, they're going to take it, you know, if it's, you know, you, whatever, maybe it wasn't your genre and you give them a one star or whatever, they're going to take that and learn from it, right? And then if you give them a five star, they're going to do the same thing and apply you know, the suggestions or whatever you have to their next book. I mean, that is the like greatest compliment you could give to an author is, you know, leaving reviews and stuff. But I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just kind of one of those, like, you know, you were saying, Greg, the Facebook ads and stuff for 10 bucks, people, I do social media marketing. Okay. And I'm telling you, please don't spend 
hundreds of dollars on Facebook ads because they're just taking your money. You can get good visibility with 10 to $20 for the month. Okay. Like, please trust me. You don't need to spend 500 to a thousand dollars a month. That's just insane. And the way that you make it work is that you know your target market and you know how to find them. Okay. Like I trust me, I can help you do it. Okay. Just send me an email and I will look and I will help you. Like I am, I am just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to that. And I'm an open book. So please don't spend that much money. There's so many people out there claiming to be experts that will tell you, you need to spend that amount of money. You don't, if you are self-publishing and marketing yourself, only a lot for 10 to $20 on Facebook ads or even towards an Amazon ad, right? It doesn't have to be a Facebook ad, but just <laughs> your self-publishing, just don't do that, okay? There's ways to save money and still get visibility. So yes, Greg, I, I agree with you. My tangent, I'm done with my tangent. <laughs> I'm no, done. I I completely agree. It's all about finding that target audience. Um, and the more you can hone in on that, the more you can improve your, uh, reduce your cost per click. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's fantastic. I mean, um, I would agree with the, you don't have to spend a million, you know, a million dollars. I, I think I spend on average, um, like 20 to 30 a month and then a little bit more when there's a new book launch and that's about yeah. it. Hey, good for you. You are smart. I love it. And that's even if I spend it because I have a tendency to go on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, all the social medias, and I will hashtag everything. So eventually somebody's going to see it. Yeah, yeah. I, that I love. But I mean, also, you know, if just we're talking self-promotion, if you're promoting your book and all that, right? There's groups all over social media on, you know, whatever platform you're on that will let you, if you're doing a free promotion, 99 cents, whatever, they will let you promote your book and post it in there. And these groups have like 30,000 members, okay? Like go and join them, they're free, go join them and post about your book. Like you don't need to pay and buy ads and spend all this money. Like there's free resources out there and there's like a plethora of them. I mean, I think between me and Sandy, we're part of like 900 groups, okay? like. You can don't, you don't have to get crazy like I am, but like you can go and do that and market your book and you know, you can do review swaps, all kinds of, you know, resources out there that you can do that you don't need to pay someone to put their name on your book to go and do for you. You can do it yourself. It's only going to cost you time, right? It's not that big of a deal. I will second that. Facebook groups are amazing, especially if you find ones that are applicable to your genre. They, they can make or break you. Yeah, I love them. Yes, I love for zero dollars. <laughs> right? Just time. And it's I mean, just time building relationships. And I mean, it doesn't even have to be a book group. It can be anything. I'm part of, a, let's see, Comic-Con Network, Nerds of Anarchy Reborn, Nerdfest. And I mean, those three together, well, Authorology, let's go ahead and put that one in there. Yeah. That right there is a total of about... 7,000 people. I, I have a, that's a great reach. Okay. You want more. So then you have, there's Houston authors, writers group. There's, I mean, there's groups all over the place. And as soon as you do one post, okay, share it, share it to the group, share it to the group, share it to the group, share it to a group. I mean, Tell there's you. no money in that. No, but you know what's in that is visibility, publicity. You're getting your name out there. You're getting your books out there, right? And that's like as good as gold right there. I mean, I don't, I'm going to go off on my publicist tangent, okay? Don't make me do that. <laughs> well, in that vein, I would say another great one is, um, you know, build your author brand, you know? Yes. Um, one of the first things I did was, uh, I, you know, I made a website. I made a Facebook page and you know, you link to those things and then you have loyal people who like your book will join those groups that you make. And then you have people who are reading the next book and people who are already ready to review and read the next one. And, and building that uh, audience that will follow you is, is a big thing. And yeah. going to the audience to build up, it's like, okay, the other thing that I do is I do conventions big time on conventions, hence the name, the con hour, <laughs> but I go to conventions and that helps build up your audience. It's like, okay, I've 
did good at this one. Let me go to the next one. And you start building your audience. And then when you come out with something new, oh, yeah, you're going to be at the convention the next year or the two years later. You're going to have something new. They're going to buy it, especially if they really enjoyed your first one. Even if they didn't enjoy it as much as they thought, they're probably going to buy it again anyway because you represented yourself well. Represent yourself when you're selling. That's the biggest key. Now, I would add, uh, for the convention thing, you know, marketing, again, doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Going to convention and just talking to people, if you can't afford an author's booth or you can't afford a marketing booth there, just going there and talking to the authors, sharing their name, you know, exchanging a business card or just getting to know them is a great way of doing it. Um, one thing I did for my genre has to do with writing fantasy books that have like game mechanics. So when I wrote my first book, I actually contacted a bunch of my local game board game stores and they set aside a night for me to actually have like an author signing event there for free just to kind of promote their page. So there's other things you can do like going to conventions that are kind of out of the box things that a typical publisher might not think about, um, but are great for marketing yourself. And definitely the other thing you can do is, I mean, you're not going to have that much space, but you can also share your table with other authors and that will make it actually a little bit more affordable. I don't want to say cheap. Cheap's not a good word. Affordable is always a better word than cheap. But fiscally but, responsible. There you go. Wow. <laughs> he has a dictionary sitting next to him. No, it's the author thing. No. He's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what you're talking about, cornucopia of things. No. <laughs> but share table. I mean, you're going to meet other authors. It's not going to be as expensive as it would be. And also, there are conventions, there are places that are more affordable than others. I think, I mean, I hate to say it, like Comic Palooza in Houston, the table's you want to split a table with somebody on that. I mean, and you have a place, I mean, I don't want to like more affordable, like Beaumont. It's a smaller city than Houston. So, okay, let me try Beaumont first and see how I do there. I mean, that's a little bit more affordable than spending the big bucks at the bigger con. Of course, you're going to have a difference between maybe 20 to 30,000 people a day, but not all the people that go to con read books. So, all right, let, let's try the more affordable one, then we'll go to the more expensive one, see how we do there. Definitely build up to it. You don't want to, like you said, start off getting a, a table at like Comic-Con. I mean, you're not going to get much of a return on investment if you're a brand new author. But like you said, that makes a good point. You know, start off small and build your audience and then go to bigger conventions as you get bigger. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would say. I would just maybe not even get a table. I would just attend them and walk around and meet all the vendors and, you know, just build relationships that way. Ask how long they've been coming, you know, and kind of build a relationship that way. And then, you know, when you're ready to take the plunge, then start off at, you know, the little bit smaller, like Greg said, the more affordable ones, and then, you know, build up, build up to them for sure. And, and you might find somebody there who wants to split a table next year. Right. Build That's relationships true. with people. But of course, okay. me being me, I was the type that just jumped right in. <laughs> you, Greg, no. You think about things before you just jump in. Well, we've lost Greg. <laughs> he was thinking no, about it really back. hard. <laughs> Am I back? I'm sorry, Greg. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. <laughs> That's okay. That's <laughs> Welcome back, Greg. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. I'm <laughs> going to have to do investments of jumping into a new laptop, I guess, because this is going to kill me. <laughs> so, Speaking yeah. of uh, a new laptop, we spoke yesterday uh, um, about that, Greg, about how you know you find the time to write a little bit. We kind of touch base. And uh, I guess I have a question for you, and I'll answer it myself as well, is how do you find time to write? Uh, especially new authors. And one thing I did was I tried to get rid of a lot of my distractions. So when I first started writing, I got rid of a lot of my, I want to say uh, toys, if you will, you know, the 
you know, the, some of my video game consoles, things like that. And I really wanted to focus on finishing my book. So I really hunkered down and, you know, got rid of my fancy computer, got a laptop. So I could pretty much do only writing and maybe YouTube on it. Um, but uh, so how do you find time to set aside to write? Is it a set time that you have, Greg? Do you say, you know, hey, eight to nine is my writing time? Or do you just get it, squeeze it in when you can? I'm more of the person that I'll, I'll write when my body tells me to write. I run through scenes in my head constantly and daily. Matter of fact, I, it's almost like a movie going up through my head. It's like, I'll see the scenes in my head. And it's like, do I want to write about that? Or do I want to see if there's anything different? And I'll probably do that for about three, sometimes four days. And then it's like, okay, this scene has been running through my head through four days. It's been the same each day. Then I'll start. And it's no set time. I'll just sit down and start typing. So I don't really have a set time. A follow-up to that would be, are, are you a typical uh, storyboarder or are you a, a, a pantser, as Stephen King would call it? Yeah. You just write at the, the fire of your pants. I, I'm right by the seat of my pants. I just go with whatever I'm writing. I don't. I tried to do an outline once, and by the time I got to the third chapter, it was time to rip everything up. <laughs> there was no way I was following that storyline. So, no, I... I write by the seat of my pants. I just go with the flow. Nice. I'm definitely at more of Your a hybrid, high hybrid approach. I mean, um, I typically try to write from the seat of my pants for the first 50, 60,000 words. And I'm like, well, eventually I'm going to have to end this story and something's going to have to make sense. So then I go back and do some edits to make sure continuity wise, it makes sense. And then I, I phase out the rest of my chapters, say I'm on chapter 30 or 50. I'll write a paragraph or two of what I want to accomplish in each chapter moving forward for the final end. So that way it fl the whole story flows together. But for those first half of the book, it's just like, all right, let's just see what comes, what happens. And I'll, I'll go back and fix whatever doesn't make sense and add a scene or two if I need to, to make it, you know, fit in. So it's, it's a big hybrid approach. Well, I can definitely see that. Uh, like I said, when I first started writing, I had actually, it was my birthday last year, which will is one week away from today, actually. Happy uh, five years ago. Yeah, thank you. I actually went, had dinner with my dad, my stepmother, my wife. And we were sitting there talking. I was like, well, you're disabled, or is there anything that you're going to do? Or are you just going to sit at home, play games, da-da-da-da-da-da? Like, well, I've always had this book idea in the back of my head. I actually went home that night and just started hitting the keyboard. And 90 days later, it was ready to be edited. 101,000 wow. words. Wow. <laughs> That's so, awesome. I mean, when, I, when I start writing a story, I usually do it from beginning to end. Just poof. So, like I said, it's got to be in my head the whole time. Hmm. Interesting. Which, which I have to say makes, like I said, talked about earlier, the March Madness, where we have five of us writing like one chapter. It makes it difficult because you got to wait for the other author. And then it's like, okay, what's going on here? And then they might do something that completely changes your idea around. And so now you're starting off from scratch again, like, oh boy, where do I go from here? But it is fun and it's very challenging. And I like yeah. the challenge. Have you ever done anything like that or? Um, I've had a crazy idea to do something like that, a uh, collaboration. I, I really wanted to get uh, like five or six authors together and have them each write from the point of view of a different character and then have a sixth have a sixth author or seventh author or whoever write the story coherently from a third person perspective but then have each of us do the story from one of the characters point of views i really want uh, to do that for a while but i haven't done it well, you might want to get with us i think you're part of authorology get with us next year and what we do is we have 
like I said, five authors. We tried it the year before and we had like nine authors. That's way too many authors. <laughs> we found that out the hard way. Go with five authors. Each one will have one of their characters that they bring in. And then each chapter, the only rule that we have is you can't kill off another person's character because then that kind of, it takes away the fun. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, you're allowed to kill off other people? Because then you can like control the story, right? So can you kill off other people's characters? Nice. No, okay. but, but you can you can injure them. You can hurt them. You can okay. scar them, but you cannot kill them. <laughs> okay. Hey, okay. I get it. That's fun. I like that. I like that. And then I think we actually have four of us with our own character. And then the fifth person actually is you have the antagonist of the group. All the others are the protagonists. So it's, it's quite interesting seeing how everything's coming together with this. Um, on that vein, I, I don't kill off many of my primary characters. I kill off side characters, but there was one time I killed off a primary character in one of my books. Uh, it was like a nicer character. And I just remember the feedback I got from my narrator uh, when he read my book, because he gets it first, because I want to try to have the regular book and the audio come up around the same time. Um, and I remember him sending me an email saying there's a huge mistake in my book and I got all nervous and he called me and he's like, you killed off so-and-so clearly you made a mistake. You need to go back and rewrite this <laughs> huge mistake in the book. <laughs> do you, uh, do you have the kids gloves on for your character or is it a free, free game? Uh, and for my characters in my book, I would say it's pretty much a free game. Cause I never know who's going to be challenging what, because most of my characters, they're they're part dragon, but if they're fighting a dragon, uh, what's going to happen there? I mean, it it all depends. I mean, I'm get, I think I killed off one character right at the beginning, and one person even said, "I was you you killed off one character that I was going to love at the beginning of the book." <laughs> <laughs> it's like I didn't want that character in the book. It was he just didn't fit. So, I mean, it's it's pretty much free game. I mean, if they're not fitting into the story, I'm probably going to wipe them out. You can't make Even them fit. Come on. You could make them fit. You are writing the story. You can blend it. Come on. <laughs> I don't like it when characters die. I don't like it when characters die. It makes me all sad, especially when they're like my favorite ones. Don't kill people off. I got a lot of feedback on that character death in my, in my one book. <laughs> oh, man. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, re it really does depend on the character. I mean, yeah, I have my main, main characters that I won't kill off. But some of the side main characters, like I said, when you have five, six characters, someone's going to have to die. Yeah. I mean, you can go through them constantly Ooh. and say, oh, well, we can last four or five books with this one. You know, <laughs> in real life, that doesn't happen. <laughs> no. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get injured. I mean, you want to fit. You want them to feel that character. And they want in you when that main character like that passes away, you want to make them feel the emotions of what the other characters are going to be going through at the same time. So it's, it's a matter of feel for me. Yeah. Speaking of a feel, um, what are some of the uh, the best feedback and maybe some of the, not the worst, but the funniest feedback you've gotten on some of your books? Ooh, good question. Ooh, I might have to think about that one for a minute. <laughs> you have caught him off guard. What about you? Why don't you go first? Um, one, sure, of the uh, one of the weirdest... And I, I guess as you could, this is, I, well, it was negative, but in one of my uh, books, when I wrote my second one, I introduced a character that I probably spent the most time I've ever spent developing a character, his quirks, his personality. And I love the character to death. He's my favorite character in the world. And I introduced him in book two. And I remember getting a single review that someone gave me one star who just said, whoever invented this character or thought of this character and they listed the character's name, I put down the book immediately and I could not keep going. And I'm like, oh, that's the... I loved him. He was my favorite. He was my baby, my child. <laughs> but, um, 
but you know, you use that and you, you know, you can't please everyone. I always tell myself. Um, right. But, you can't, you can't. But as far as positive feedback, I, think, I mean, anytime I have someone reach out and just say, whether it's through a review or on Facebook or, you know, through a message or an email that just says, Hey, I liked your work. It just, it's really enheartening. It really makes me write faster and better and want to improve myself. So anytime someone just reaches out and says, Hey, I read your book. It was cool. Or, you know, anything like that. It just, it really bolsters you. I think one of the things that got me is, I don't know. It got deleted somehow. I didn't complain about it, but it was like a three-star review. And they wrote everything that they loved about the book and how wonderful it was and how, how it went perfect. And then it's like, it was like a two or three-star review. And it's like, <laughs> everything's just so wonderful, but you're giving it a bad review? <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't make sense to me. And then the other thing I think one person wrote, which kind of made sense to me, which is kind of why I did some of the things I did in book two is most of the dragons were more in a human form through their, what I called their ancient magic. So in order to communicate, sometimes they would turn and sometimes they would fight in their dragon form. But one person's like, well, these dragons are always in certain form and they're not all good. And it's like, well, you got to have a good and evil you can't just have an all good book <laughs> right yeah you have to have something right right yeah. and you, you have to have something to help the story progress you're going to have good you're going to have bad it, it has to balance in my opinion absolutely well i am probably going to be ending this here and i have to say Thank you to SyphaCon for having us on their virtual panel 2.0. And glad to be a part of y'all. And I can't wait for y'all to get back into action. I think y'all said y'all might have some sort of announcement about end of the year events today. Or not today, but you'll have them tomorrow. And I want to do, say, next Saturday at 10 a.m., I'm going to have Dagacom coordinators with the show. And we're going to be discussing what's going on there. And hopefully it will be some good information because they have a lot of people showing up on their show. And I do want to remind people, I do have a Patreon account, which basically you get rewards for whichever tier you sign in. This is not to take money, but this is more or less to find some hosts that eventually I'm going to have to pay for. Eventually. I'm hoping it won't be for a while. But when we do get the big hosts or the big guests, we want to be able to pay them what they're asking for. But in order to be a patron, you're going to have to sign up. And when we do do those shows, you're going to have a chance of telling me which ones you want me to get. I'll give like a list of four saying, hey, we can afford these four. Which one do you want? You're going to be able to tell me which ones. And the one with the most votes will, of course, get it. And you'll have your own personal show with them. It won't be like going live. You'll be going live on your own personal Facebook page or wherever it goes on. And then, of course, please, please, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I know there's a lot of people searching for the 1,000 mark right away. I'm looking to go to 100 just so I can change those all those numbers at the top to say the con hour instead of all those numbers so please subscribe to my youtube channel and i do want to thank Devin and amy for being here today it was great having you with us it was my pleasure um i'll gladly do it again if you're looking for hosts or uh, guests in the future <laughs> <laughs> and is there any words of wisdom you have for anybody Devin? Me or Amy? Oh, me. Um, if, if, <laughs> you're if you're a potential author, just write. I mean, uh, someone, some, something someone told me when I first started and I didn't like any of my work was, you know, think about when you were born, you weren't a perfect human. You had to get fed. You had to get your diaper changed. And through time, you became self-sufficient. You became better. It's the same with anything you do. You know, writing your, your first, you know, thousand words are going to probably be garbage. 
but they're going to be not, you know, your next thousand are going to be better than that. The thousand after that are going to be better than that. So it's, it's a craft. It's like painting. It's like anything you do in life. The more you do it, um, the better you get at it and just make sure you're having fun doing it. You know, that really comes through in your writing. Definitely keep going. That would be my words of wisdom, Amy. Yeah. I mean, it's just write and get your story out on paper and have someone look at it, you know, and just let your inspiration kind of feed the direction that you want to go, you know, and don't get overwhelmed with the marketing or finding a publisher of your book. There are so many resources out there that can help you and it's not going to cost you a whole lot of money. So there's help and support for you out there. If you're going to self-publish, don't be scared to self-publish, right? There's resources out there, but you know, I, I love this. I love being on with you, Greg and Devin. It was so nice to meet you. I mean, I, I feel like me and you are long lost friends, man. So, you know, thank you guys so much for letting me be on your, you know, show with you and to learn and talk to you guys. You know, I just, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So thanks so much. And we will catch everybody next Saturday. And if you can't watch on video, remind you, we are on Google Podcast and on iHeartRadio. And we will catch you all later. Bye, everyone.